You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 17 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Thank you very much for once again finding this episode. After I took the last couple of weeks off, vacationing, recharging my batteries, spending some quality time with the family, and frankly thinking about some of the things that have been discussed in this space since we all started this journey several months ago. Truth is, reinvention, true reinvention, come to find out, is not as easy as it sounds. Well, let me rephrase that, actually. I never expected it to be easy, but it is more difficult than I expected. But the process and the pursuit, while challenging, are rewarding as hell. And if you're anything like me, and you've taken the time to not just listen, but put into practice some or most of what you've been hearing in these conversations, then you know it's already paying dividends. And I can once again guarantee that today's conversation will do the same if you put it to work for you. My guest today, frankly is one of my favorite people that I've ever met in this business. Now, I'm not sure she would say the same thing about yours truly, but I have to say that I was absolutely enthralled by Maria Menounos when I first met her. Maria is an extremely well-respected and beloved actress, Emmy Award-winning journalist, best-selling author, founder, and CEO of AfterBuzz TV, one of the world's largest digital broadcast networks, and host of Better Together with Maria Menounos, a daytime series and a podcast. Again, you meet a lot of fascinating people in this business, but there are a few rare ones that as soon as you see them, you know they're different. The ones that have that indescribable it. You can't really explain what it is, but you know it when you see it and you can feel it. And Maria has an abundance of it. When I first spoke to her, I was spellbound. I was captivated by her positive energy, her enthusiasm, her charisma, her intellect, her passion, her drive. I mean, a straight up winner who created a magnificent life for herself and everybody around her. Except life has a strange sense of humor, and by that I mean none at all. And it dealt Maria a series of terrible blows. First, her beloved mother was diagnosed with brain cancer. And then incredibly, as Maria cared for her mother, she herself was diagnosed with a brain tumor and needed brain surgery as well. I mean, how is that even possible? This is Maria's story of how she and her mother both battled their illnesses fiercely the lessons learned from those battles, and how Maria completely reconfigured and reinvented herself and her life as a result of those battles. I'm sure you'll agree that there is nobody quite like today's guest, Maria Menounos. She's coming at you right now on episode 16 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. I have always tried to make it a practice not to fawn over my guests, but I'm going to break format right off the top here because I want to say, Maria, how absolutely thrilled I am to be able to spend time with you once again. It's been a few minutes, but when you and I have had conversations in the years past at Super Bowl, I have found you to be one of the most dynamic, positive, enthusiastic, uplifting, charismatic people I've ever been around. You are always a force of nature. I am so happy to have the chance to visit with you once again. Thank you so much for doing so. How are you? How is your family at this time, Maria? Oh my God, you just made my jaw drop. Thank you. I always have a blast with you too. I, you know, we're, uh, we're doing all right. We're, you know, kind of just dealing with 
the aftermath of my mom and just kind of processing it all. It's, you know, it's a process. I understand this. And I'm eager to talk to you about your mom and find out. I want folks to know what your mom was like. And I want to ask you about that in a minute. Before we talk about the last few years and what it's been like and what has happened for you, Maria, not to you. That's a common Mm -hmm. theme that comes up over and over again on this podcast. I do want to ask you about your work because you've had such an interesting, diverse and rewarding career. Like you're an actress, you're an Emmy award-winning journalist, you're a best-selling author, you're a founder and CEO of AfterBuzz TV, which is one of the world's largest digital broadcast networks. And like I said, a force in nature, but you yourself have said it all started at Dunkin' Donuts. Why Dunkin' (laughs) Donuts and how old were you when it started? Well, it even started before that, but Dunkin' Donuts was my first paying job. And uh, there was a guy named Bill Galatis who owned a bunch of Dunkin' Donuts in the area. I went to church with him and I sang in church choir with his then wife. And he helped me get my first job. My parents had just lost their main job cleaning a nightclub in Boston called The Channel. And, uh, and so we kind of needed to all, you know, hustle and make some money. And so I went over to Dunkin' Donuts and I kind of started there and the fun parts of it that I even got to do. So I got to be on uh, Celebrity Wheel of Fortune this year. And it was a dream kind of moment that they just took to a whole other level because I told them when I was young and I worked at Dunkin' Donuts, I was dreaming about being in this business. And I always thought, well, how can I practice And so I used to practice by memorizing where the donuts were and Vanna Whiting each customer. So they would tell me like they wanted a dozen donuts, Jim. And I would say, okay, what would you like? And you would say a chocolate frosted. And I would pull the chocolate frosted without looking as if I was turning the letters. (laughs) Wow. So I practiced very early on there. And fun fact, when I did Celebrity Wheel of Fortune, they let me you know, turn the letters with Vanna, which was such an amazing moment. And she's so incredible. And yeah, so that was, that was the beginning. I always say you never can take for granted where you work and, you know, even how menial the job can be. Like when we were cleaning the nightclubs, I did the same thing. I would get up on stage and I would perform and I would just dream of being that person that was there rather than, you know, the person cleaning up after it all. And so I was like, this is what I'm doing now. And I know where I'm going. And you know, that's that. So I, I did it wherever I was. Wow. That's amazing. So like you were, you were visualizing at a very early age, like how old were you when you were working in that nightclub or you were working at Dunkin' Donuts? Oh, my whole childhood was spent there. We Mm. were, my parents couldn't afford babysitters. So we went to work with them and, you know, my parents had a crib in this like little, you know, I think it was like a hot water heater room or something that my dad kind of made into his little office. It had a desk and a chair and a crib and we were there and from the time we were old enough to kind of hold a broom and pitch in we did because the faster we all got that done the faster we got out of there so if we wanted to get out and go home and see friends or family we had help and so we did I know a number of you listening today are small business owners, and I know that you are busier than ever. Fact is, you're focused on managing and growing your business, and you can't always spend the time that you need to recruit. This is why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to find and hire the best candidates for free. I have always used LinkedIn. I love it. This is where I go to find the people who work on my shows. 
and you can get started by posting your job for free to reach LinkedIn's network of 740 million professionals. Just fill out targeted screening questions to get your role in front of the most qualified candidates with the experience and the skills and the motivation you need. Then it's so easy to filter and prioritize the top candidates that you want to interview. LinkedIn Jobs will help you hire the right person for your role. Did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers go to LinkedIn? So post your first job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. That's linkedin.com slash Rome. Post your first job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. So, Maria, you mentioned your mother, and she passed away earlier this year after bravely battling brain cancer for five years. First off, I'm so sorry for your loss. My father, Maria, had brain cancer as well, so I know how challenging and terrifying that is. But tell me about your mom. What was she like? Wow, I I didn't realize that, Jim. I'm sorry. You know, um, my mom, that's funny. No one's ever asked me that. I love that. And I'm holding back any emotion right now because that's just so cool. Um, My mom was the most selfless woman I know. She was, I can't, not, I'm lying. I can't hold the emotions back. Um, She was from Kalamata, Greece. And uh, she came to this country, married my dad. She was very gifted artistically, but it was never something that, you know, she was able to really kind of pursue because when you come to this country as an immigrant, you have to do what you have to do to make money. It's not like she was able to go to like, you know, classes and things like that and, and really cultivate those skills. But she was, she could sew something just by looking at it and make it like a perfect replica. She was, um, she sang beautifully. She was just talented in all areas and very much common sense queen, um, and would do anything. Her and my dad, I could tell them, hey guys, I need you to build a space rocket ship so I can go to the moon and interview Jim Rome. <laughs> okay, Maria, we gonna do? Oh, and they wow. would build it and it would work. And we would Amazing. be the, on the moon being like, wow, Boston Lisa <laughs> did it again. <laughs> You you are the best. That is amazing. <laughs> like so, let me ask you this: in like my father had leukemia, and he was diagnosed at fifty with it, and ultimately it did go into his brain. And I'll never forget Maria what it felt like to hear that he was going to undergo brain surgery. Like it was near mm-hmm. impossible to fathom or even process. As I was given that information. What went through your mind when you were told your mother had been diagnosed with brain cancer? Well, I I got the diagnosis with her when we were in the hospital. So I found out when I was in LA at a dog charity event, collapsed in the parking lot. They just said that they found a tumor in her brain. And I flew home and my dad and my brother had just left to go grab like some breakfast because he's you know diabetic and had to eat at a certain time. And we're sitting on her bed and the doctor came in and said, so you have this thing called glioblastoma. It's uh, brain cancer. Um, It's aggressive. We think it's stage four. We're going to have to operate right away. And I just looked at her and she was like, okay, totally unfazed. And I had to like gulp basically and be like, okay. Um, It was excruciatingly painful. I spent a few nights outside that hospital screaming in the park, crying, guttural, guttural crying. 
and then realized I, and you know, I put everything into sports terms. I had to become her Tom Brady. I had a quarterback her care and I had to buck up and, and get to it. And so um, from that moment on, it was, all right, we're going to figure this out. And at every twist and turn we did. And just like Tom stayed calm in the pocket, took it play by play. That's exactly what we did. And that's exactly how I attacked it. I'm like, we're, we're the Falcons. I mean, we're the, the Patriots against the Falcons. <laughs> we're down and we're, we're, you know, in the last quarter, we're down, what was it? 23 to seven. And we just have to keep inching our way towards that win. And that's what we did. It was, it was super painful at first. Um, but I had to, I had to go into, you know, quarterback mode and, and, and try to save her. And Maria, it's, it's, it's such an amazing response that you just shared. I think if anything at all, the last year and a half has told all of us that life is extremely fragile. Life is extremely short. Also, we know about the rising cost of living, rising student debt, buying a house, how you do not want to leave your kids or partner with an enormous financial burden. On these notes, this is why it makes sense why people get life insurance, especially term coverage, which is surprisingly affordable. Why not pay a bit each month to protect the ones that you love? If you're asking yourself this question, choose Ladder. And I'll tell you why. Ladder makes it impressively fast and easy to get covered. All you need is a few minutes, a phone, or a laptop to apply. And then Ladder's smart algorithms will work in real time so you'll find out instantly if you're approved. There are no hidden fees, and you can cancel anytime. To me, this is an absolute no-brainer. And since life insurance costs more as you age, now is the time to cross it off your list. Do it today. Don't wait. Don't procrastinate. Get it done. Check out Ladder today. See if you're instantly approved. Go to ladderlife.com slash Rome. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash Rome. Ladderlife.com slash Rome. When you were told and your mom said, okay, like, for instance, back in the time or back in the day, my father had this, we dealt with this in the 80s and he passed away in the early 90s. So we didn't have the types of treatments that we have right now. And I'm certainly no doctor, but he survived nine years after being diagnosed with leukemia. Now you tell me if you agree with this or not. And if you don't mind, give me a minute because I think maybe you can relate to this. But I want to describe something to you, and I want to get your reaction to it. My mother and father were small business owners. They were hardworking. We had a very nice upper-middle-class life. But but they said to me at that time, and they told my sister this too, we're not telling anybody that he's sick. And they told us, we're not telling our parents. We don't want you to tell anybody at all. And then my dad never once said or asked, why me? In fact, his whole perspective was, my life is so much better than I ever thought that it would be. I married an amazing woman. I have two amazing kids. I have this amazing business. I never expected any of this. I'm good. I'm awesome. And I'm still here. And I'm like, Maria, I said, Dad. You're 50. You have cancer. It's in your brain. How are you all good? He said, I just told you. And then he got in his car and he drove to work like he did every single day. And by the way, Maria, a Boston guy, tough as hell, right? So the point I'm trying to make here is I know positivity and a lack of stress kept him alive. A positive mindset, positive emotion, it kept him alive. Like, would you agree with that? 
That's the second time my jaw dropped in just a very short amount of time, Jim. Uh, yes, I would 1000% agree. Your dad is such a great example. And I don't know how much you've done on him, but what a great role model for people to see. Because the fastest thing people go to and the quickest thing they go to is why, why me? And my mom didn't do that either. Um, your dad has such a unique perspective and such a unique way to handle this that no doubt it led to his success to, to survive and live nine more years. And I, I'm sure he had the most quality he could. Um, and, and I know that it has such a big, um, a big effect. Like what you said earlier, it's happening for me, not to me. I always say, if we could figure out how to apply that tool with brain tumors, it's pretty effective in a lot of arenas. Now I've heard some stories where I'm like, okay, this one, I just can't figure out guys. This is just horrendous, but, um, but it is a tool and it is useful, you know, for my mom, I don't know what gave her that incredible strength in that moment to just be like, okay. But from that moment on, she saw I had it. And I recently, when I was home and she was in hospice and family was around, they were like, oh yeah, she used to say, don't worry, Maria's got it. Like she had no fear. She didn't have to do anything. For the first time in her life, she could just be the center of attention and taken care of when, you know, it was always the opposite. Um, not just with me, with my whole family. You know, she was the one who just did selflessly for everybody. So I think she kind of enjoyed uh, her new role in life, just being taken care of because she was tired. Um, and she's a very strong, strong and positive person. And it really does make such a huge difference. So one of the things, Jim, I've done in these last five years, actually the last four years since mine was I've coached people through brain tumors and tumors and cancer journeys, sharing what we've learned, sharing the hacks and the kind of playbook that uh, we used with my mom so that hopefully I can give someone the shorthand and they can succeed even better than we did. Um, and that's always something I share with them is that your mentality, your, your um, attitude is going to make a huge difference in this. We can't control what God's plan is or the universe or source, whatever it is that you believe, but we can control what we, how we handle things, how we show up. And, uh, and I've always thought my mom was such a good example for people to follow too. So yeah, I mean, now there's two, but I think you should do more with that. I think people need to hear because, you know, they say when you see it, you can be it. You don't get to see a lot of examples of, of people who have, you know, a, a very scary diagnosis handling it like that. So let me take a minute to talk to you about one of my favorite products ever. In fact, I used this product long before we became partners on this podcast. I'm talking about my Peloton. I absolutely love my Peloton. Not only do I have a Peloton in California, we have a vacation home in Wisconsin. I bought one for there as well. I just came off a vacation in Wisconsin and I hit my Peloton 13 mornings in a row. It made my vacation so much better. It makes my life so much better. I love this product. And the reason I love it so much, it's right there in the home. I don't need to leave. I don't need to go to the gym. It's there. It looks great. It takes up almost no space whatsoever. And I get my work in. And there's so many other ways to use it. There's social engagement. You can keep tabs on your close friends. There are limitless disciplines. 
Choose from cardio, strength, yoga, Pilates, and more. And best of all, it's a seamless fit to your lifestyle. Because when you purchase the Peloton bike, you get access to live classes and thousands on demand. So ride whenever you want. With the Peloton bike, there is nothing like working out from home. Learn more at OnePeloton.com. New members can try Peloton classes for free for 30 days at OnePeloton.com app. That's O-N-E-P-E-L-O-T-O-N.com. All right, so Maria, help me with this. For instance, I think, I think, I know, he he was a really different dude in that respect. Personally, I'm not, like, I want to say he was wired for it. That's just the way he was, I think. I'm not naturally like that. I'm trying to be more like that. So the question mm-hmm. is, if it's not natural, and what's the hack here, or what's the strategy? How do you remain positive and upbeat when everything around you is unthinkably painful and negative and you want to give up? In other words, how do you stay positive during the most challenging and painful moments of your entire life? Well, I've done a lot of work <laughs> in the last few years, whether it's through Tony Robbins seminars or a lot of self-help books and stuff. And one of the things at a Tony seminar that really stuck with me was he he pulled somebody who was like severely depressed in the audience. And then all of a sudden, like he would say, what would happen right now if I said, you're gonna get a million dollars? Their eyes would light up no matter what, like they were feeling in that moment. Or what if I said, you're gonna get an all expense paid trip to Disneyland? Oh my God. <laughs> and he shows you how quickly your state can change, okay? And it's your choice. So it's a very hard concept and it's something that you have to work at. But what I do when negative things are going on is I go to what I'm grateful for. And and that's another thing I learned with Tony is like fear and, and gratitude can't live in the same space. So whenever I'm afraid or whether I'm down, I go to my gratitude list. What am I grateful for in this moment? And usually it completely outweighs what's going on, even in the worst moments, because Life is going to keep happening, right? <clears throat> Not to, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, to quote Rocky and my favorite, who's gotten me through my darkest times, it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning's done. So you, you take the hit and you figure out, okay, how do I make some lemonade out of this? How do I choose again and recalibrate to something that's going to make me feel better? Okay, well, if I go for a walk right now and I smell some roses, I know that gives me joy. I know that patting my dogs and playing with them gives me joy. I know that um, going to my list of what I'm grateful for and really feeling those feelings of gratefulness will change my energy. And then that changes your set, you know, your point of attraction too. So now you're going to start attracting a little more of that good and a little more of that good. There's no way that I would have gone through what we've gone through in these last five years uh, without that mindset and without these tools that I've applied in these tough moments. Now, it doesn't mean that it's all sunshine and rainbows, but it does help. And that's why my show that I do every day um, Better Together with Marie Menounos has been so helpful to me because it really became almost like a selfish journey. I wanted to get better in all areas of life, especially health, wellness, anxiety, um, emotional health, spiritual health. And so I sought the best experts in the world and I already had had access to them because of what I do for a living. 
and bring them on and let them help all of us at the same time because we are better together. Um, and, and that has been a huge resource for me. My husband took over for me sometime in February. I needed to like just focus on my mom and I just was starting to kind of have a nervous breakdown to be honest. And he jumped in, he goes, oh my God, Maria, this is hard. This is like going to school every day. I said, I know, but don't you feel like you're getting better? Don't you feel like you're, you're changing your mentality and you're, you're getting these incredible tools to put in your tool belt? And he's like, yeah, because I know even in this entertainment industry, like I came in the daughter of, you know, janitor immigrants. Um, I didn't know politics. I didn't know. And I don't mean politics as, you know, like Republican and Democrat or I mean, like inner office politics. Um, I just you know, came in blind and kind of stepped on a few rakes and I wasn't really armed with the tools to really thrive. I feel like, I mean, I did regardless, but it was very challenging behind the scenes for me now with all these tools in my tool belt, I feel like I can handle a lot more and it's going to be an ever, um, it's going to be a constant journey to keep acquiring more and keep getting stronger and better. So, Maria, you, when people say to me, well, like, what are you doing, Jim? You're a sports guy. Why are you doing a reinvention podcast? Why are you doing this? You just answer the question. The very same reason that you yep. do your show, because we want to learn. We want to evolve. We want to get better. We want to have these conversations. Yep. I want to have a conversation with somebody like you, although there is nobody like you. You answered my question for me. I hmm. want to I wanna sidebar for one moment, because you said... You told something to a mutual friend of ours, Ed Milet, that I thought was such a great, great point that I really want you to reference for a minute in dealing with illness. You lay out this point that when somebody is sick, everything is at the foot of a doctor who has maybe mm -hmm. 15 minutes with you every time they see you. But in your words, they don't have the time to look at you as an individual to really look at the full picture, quote, end of quote. I thought that was amazing having gone through this. It's so true. Like you wait mm -hmm. hours and hours, mm -hmm. days even for those 15 minutes so how important then, Maria, is it for all of us to assume some responsibility in self-healing, self-nurturing, and not just relying exclusively on what our doctors tell us, great as they may be? Yeah. Okay. Before I get into that sidebar, Ed Milet has been an angel to my family. Talk about another amazing, solid Boston guy. When he and I were having lunch with a mutual friend, he, he heard that I was, you know, trying to get my mom back because we knew it was now kind of in that place where we weren't going to make it. And he gave us his plane to get my mm. mom home safely because wow. she was bedridden and we couldn't fly her commercially. Amazing. He is an angel. He is. Um, I'll tell you. So I've learned a tremendous amount in these last five years about healthcare, And what I'm realizing is that there are amazing doctors. There are good doctors. There are maybe not so great doctors, right? When you're diagnosed with something, you have to find the best of the best. And what I think a lot of people do is they just ask, you know, when someone gets a diagnosis, oh my God, I know where you got to go. You got to go to Dana Faber. It's the best. Or they'll just look at it as an institution. Okay. And they'll say, oh, you got to go to Brigham and Women's. They're amazing. They're the best, whatever. And all these places are great. That's fine. It's who are you going to lay your care, um, uh, you know, it, at? Is it is it the best surgeon? Has he done, you know, thousands of these? Can he do it blindfolded? Have you gotten multiple opinions? Um, then next, it's okay. You can't just lay it at their lap. 
they only have a very small window of time to devote to you. And it's really only when you're in front of them. So just know when they leave you, they're going to 50 other people. They're not thinking about you again because they can't, they don't have the time. It is not a negligence thing. It's just a reality. And I think a lot of people think, you know, and I know because I, I work with people all the time. I say, did you get another opinion? They're like, no, they just trust the first person that they're put in front of because they're terrified and I get it. So I'm usually the voice of reason that's like, please let's get another opinion. Please let's look at another, you know, person and see maybe they've done this more. Um, and you know, I had one woman, she was 37 years old and they spared her, her hearing nerve. They were going to remove her whole hearing nerve because of the tumor. And I'm like, wait, you have three young kids. You're so young. You it's just, there's gotta be another way. At least let's try. And of course it worked out, but no matter what you have to run the ship you or someone that's going to be very detailed and very focused has to be your quarterback. You've got to, you got to cultivate your own instinct, your own gut. Um, and you've got to do your own research. And it's not just bring your research to the doctor, have him poo poo on it. And then you go home defeated because that's what a lot of people do. Hey, what about this? I just heard about this, or I just heard about that. No, 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 no. There, first of all, a lot of the things you hear on the radio or on TV right now, they haven't been proven yet. So the doctors can't tell you it's okay. So for example, when my mom was first out of surgery, there was like a team of neurosurgeons that came to check on her. It wasn't my neurosurgeon. It was just the other team. And I said, Hey, I've been researching this ketogenic diet. What do you think? And one of them looked at me and he goes, we watch patients' families torture them all the time. Just let her eat what she wants. Mm. Wow. And I'll never forget wow. it. I go, oh, you think she's just going to die. So why try? Mm. Wow. And, and I said, you know what? I'm going to do it anyway. And I did um, have a, a meeting with Dr. Black, my mom and my, my neurosurgeon as well, actually at Cedars. And he said, you know, I'm researching it as well too. He's like, there's no harm if you want to try it. So we did it. And it made sense to me. Cutting the sugar was a huge benefit for her to beat cancer um, I modified it a touch cause I also did not like the idea of like so much fat. Um, but for me, it was really cutting out the sugar and the carbs, but giving her enough of like low glycemic sugar, like blueberries so that she has some glucose to the brain. Okay. That was one marijuana. A lot of people will talk about marijuana. And then when the doctors poo poo on it, they get scared and they don't do it, but it's harmless and it can only help. It can't hurt. So I added that and we had huge benefit. Now, when I went to the, um, to the team, I think it was like a year and a half ago or, or so I had the courage to tell them that I'd been doing it all along. Hmm. And cause some things I had to do on the, on the quiet, on the QT. And they were like, Oh yeah, we do it all the time now because it became legal in California. They were able to do it. Right. So they can be handcuffed by, um, a lot of different things. And they're not going to be able to tell you, yes, go try vitamin C drips because they're not proven. And so they can only work with what's been approved and because they can't deal with lawsuits and they can't deal with all of the other stuff. So they only know what they know. And generally it's going to be high powered drugs, radiation, and, um, and that sort of thing. And there are moments when you realize, or I realize along the journey, they have nothing else to give us. So this is all they can offer us. But I took my mom to Mexico 
And what worked with us, and even her radiologist at Cedar said this, he goes, I think that the biggest reason for her success has been what you guys have done in Mexico, where we optimized her immune system, Jen, so that she could handle the barrage of the Western treatments. I'm not against Western treatments. I think that whatever you feel is right for your system as an individual is what you should do. But how do you take a body that's already ravaged with cancer and suffering and then add toxic chemo to it without saying, how do we lift the immune system and build it so that the body can handle both, that it can do it um, and, and take it in. And so um, there was a moment when the tumor came back and they wanted to radiate and they wanted to use these high power drugs. And none of us felt good about radiation. And we had to make a really tough decision because you know it will work, but the side effects were not good for my mom. She wasn't herself. And, and we just didn't think it was worth it another round. So we didn't. And I remember when we were talking with the oncologist, I, he was like, well, we could try this and this. And I'm like, okay, well, what if we tried, you know, uh, chemo and Avastin and blueberries? He was like, it could work. I'm like, what if we used ketchup, vanilla ice cream and Avastin? Wow. It could work. And I finally realized, oh, Nobody really knows what's going to work. <laughs> Nobody, like, first of all, having a long-term survivor with glioblastoma is kind of uncharted territory anyway, but they really don't know what's going to work. It's an educate, a highly educated guess. So I started realizing that I could make more decisions confidently, and that takes time to, to cultivate, but you can't just say, doctor, make me better. They don't have the time to devote to you like you need to have to really, really succeed. My opinion, my experience. I, I think that is so powerful. I'm so glad that we discussed that and we got into that. You really were the Tom Brady of caregiving for your mother. You were the one saying, what if, what if, what if? You were the one that was doing the work. You were because they don't have time. It doesn't mean they don't care. It doesn't mean they're negligent. Yes. They certainly do not have time. So uh, a couple yeah. of- Jim, uh, I yeah. have the top breast cancer surgeon in the world on my show and she broke it down for me. She's like, Maria, I had 15 minutes with a patient. I have to get the paperwork done. I have to do the exam. And then minute 14, they're asking me, what else can I do? And I'm like, uh, drink some green tea. Like I didn't have enough time. Right. She's like, it's just, it's awful. So she wrote an entire book called, um, I think it's the breast manual, which by the way is amazing. She's like, I needed to be able to give them information. And I did all the research and she goes, you know what? I didn't know anything about nutrition. Now I know how to really lead my patients. Doctors also don't get nutrition. So when you talk to them about diet, they're like, eh, you know, they're very scientific too. So for me, yes, I was my mom's Tom Brady, but I had a lot of amazing players, right? And I used the doctors, I used the holistic people, I used the healers, and I, I brought everybody together and said, hey, we gotta work as a team if we're gonna win. Tom Brady isn't winning a Super Bowl by himself. And that's really how you kind of have to look at it. It's like, it's a full throttle approach. No, he cannot throw and catch the ball and block for himself. <laughs> he he can't, he, as much as you love him and your Patriots, or well, now. In fact, in fact, I, I, I was going to ask you where he came out on that, but we, we have other things we have to discuss. You know, Maria, a couple of times you've mentioned my neurosurgeon, and I think most people know your story, but the fact of the matter is if they do not, you know, we talked about your reaction to being told that your mother had brain cancer. As you were caring for her, 
things all of a sudden were not exactly right with you and you knew you were a little bit off. What were you experiencing physically and what did you think that was? So I remember being on set of E! News hosting and I was getting really nasty headaches. Um, I was slurring my speech even and joking on set. Oh, sorry, guys. It's my stupid brain tumor. And I... I just was, you know, in a lot of pain and I never take anything like it's a big deal if I take like a pain reliever. I was taking a lot of Tylenol and I thought it was because I was so stressed and overwhelmed with my mom. Right. And it was in the beginning. And so I finally started getting some severe ear pain. And I said, oh, for the love of God. So I, I went to the doctor and I said, hey, I think I have an ear infection. So weird. I'm 37 years old. How do I have an ear infection? <laughs> right. And he's like, you don't have an ear infection. I said, okay. He's like, what else do you feel? And I said, well, I'm getting a lot of headaches. Oh, yeah, I'm slurring my speech. And then it hit me. I go, oh, my God. And he goes, what? I go, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I think I have a brain tumor like my mom. And he said, I don't think you're crazy. And this is the first time I'm seeing this guy, Dr. Aaron in at UCLA, God bless him. He was like, let's get an MRI. He's like, you could be dehydrated too. But you know, then maybe that's the head stuff. I was like, all right. I went back to set, started drinking coconut water. And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not wasting resources on an MRI and, you know, whatever. And then of course, we also got news that my mom's tumor was growing. So, you know, tension off of me, right back onto her. And then I... I set up a trip to this Mexico facility and um, that Friday night before we left, my assistant said, Hey, I've been postponing that MRI forever. And it's this Friday night at 9 PM. And I said, Oh, well, that's weird. I don't have anything going on. I might as well just go do it. So I went and they called me when we were in Mexico with my parents and told me, he's like, I don't know how to tell you this. I go, I already know. He's like, what? I go, I have a brain tumor. And he goes, yeah. And I was like, okay, what is it? And I remember taking notes and um, it was very matter of fact for me. And then I remember, um, I think I texted my best friend and was like, hey, I just found out I have a brain tumor. I'll call you in a minute. I got to tell Kevin first, don't tell anybody. Mm. And then Kevin shows up from the convenience store and I was like, we need to go to the parking lot now. And we went outside and my first thoughts, Jim, were, oh my God, no one's ever going to hire me again. I'm going to be a liability in their minds. Like, wow, who's going to pay for everything? How am I going to take care of everybody? It wasn't about me or the tumor. Cause I honestly, Jim was so cooked at that point and so done that I didn't care if I made it or not. Wow. I was like, Oh good. This is my get out of jail free card. Oh my Call gosh. it a day. Oh my God. But if I'm going to be here, I need to be able to work. And, um, and we kept it secret too. So different reasons than your dad, but my very dear friend and lawyer at the time, he was like, let's just keep it close to the vest. Let's get to the other side of surgery. And my surgery, my doctor who was shocked when I said, I need an appointment. He's like, for your mom. Right. And I go, Nope. And, uh, I went to see him and he was like, yeah, no, this is a much more dangerous surgery. I go, how can that be? You think it's benign? my mom's, how could it be worse than hers? And he's like, Oh yeah. So it was double the time of my mom's surgery. It was almost eight hours. Um, it was a very challenging recovery. And, um, I just felt like if I made it the other side, I was going to change my life. 
and um, I was seeing it as a rebirth. I was seeing it as, you know, um, a way to stop the madness and kind of restart. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. And I haven't looked back. See this when we talk, Maria. This, I mean, yes, I, I don't know because I haven't gone through that. But when you say that was a seven-hour procedure, an eight-hour procedure, I do vividly remember seeing my dad wheeled off, and I vividly remember going in to see him afterwards, afterwards, brain surgery, and seeing that scar. And it, it just, it was so terrifying. The fact that you and I are having this conversation is just absolutely mind-blowing to me. And you've said since, and you touched on this, I think, but you've said that brain tumor was the best thing, the best thing that ever happened to you. How so? Oh, my God. Um, You know, and I used to say this on my show. I used to be like, I feel like when you turn 40, you should stop, reevaluate, and go in a different direction, something that you've always wanted to do. Because life is so short, and we don't realize it. And sometimes you get stuck in a dream, right? Like I was trapped in an old dream. I didn't want to do what I was doing anymore. I wanted to do a version of it. But, um, but for me, I needed a break. I needed to, to reconnect with like nature and life. And, and I had been moving at lightning speed, doing a million different things 24 seven for so many years. Um, and I just, I, I don't know. I think, I think for me, it brought a better version of me and I got more time to focus on who I wanted to be, what, how I wanted to live and, you know, you get caught up in um, in that game of like more, 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 more. Or I would look at people who would work, you know, even harder than me and they were my goalposts. I'm like, well, if they can do it, I can do it. And it just wasn't, it wasn't feeding my soul anymore. It wasn't feeding me and making me happy anymore. And I would have never stopped. I don't think I would have realized it. So for instance, like how would you, and, and you, you, you were a workhorse and still are, mm-hmm. but I mean, you you were one of those people and still are, but fiercely driven and you admired that. And, you know, I feel the same way, right? This is who we like. This is who we want to emulate. We want to show how hard we can go. Like, yep. how would you have defined success prior to your di- diagnosis and how would you define success now? So prior to my diagnosis, I think I would have defined success as you know, um, being able to do it all. And, you know, I was achieving, I was, you know, making New York times bestseller lists. I won an Emmy. I'm, you know, doing all these things, whether it's wrestling at WrestleMania or, (laughs) you know, whatever. I just, for me, part of it, I got to do what I wanted, like things like that. I, I went for it because I wanted to like experience new things. Um, but yeah, it was going to be like, whatever was going to make me more successful, whatever was going to be a bigger gig, more paying gig or more, whatever. It's just, you always just want the next thing. And, you know, one of the big things that I realized after surgery is like really redefining success is something we all should focus on. Um, because sometimes you take on things that aren't yours, right? I'm not that person. I actually, I spent you know, almost five months, I think on the East coast in Connecticut last summer. And I felt more me there, just like being on a farm and, you know, going to the local pizza place and going sunflower picking and doing things like that than I ever have. 
Um, you just start to adopt mentalities and things that aren't yours um, because you, you become a part of this kind of like cycle and this competition and not a competition, but this like rat race. And you, you go further and further from who you are, right? Like what, what makes me tick and what, who I am, I just want to be happy. And I think I've started to realize I never thought people really knew who I was because a lot of people just think I am driven. Um, I'm a really hard worker and you put me anywhere and I'm going to work my butt off, but I really love nature. I love animals. I love being happy. I love getting to be myself and be free and fun. And I'm like, I, I, I feel like, you know, Henry Winkler was like, you're like a butterfly. You just, you're just floating around. And, and he called me Holly go lightly. Mm. And so I think it's pretty, pretty much what makes me. And when I'm my best is when I'm not overloaded and I don't have a lot on my plate because that's when I start to short circuit. Um, and I know that about myself now. So, um, I'm not somebody who cares about having a lot of materials. I like nice things, but that doesn't define me. I've been wanting to simplify my life and take it down and have like a really small existence so that I can be free mentally and not have it all weigh me down. You know, the more you have, the more you need to do and the more you need to deal with. Um, and so everybody's different and everybody wants different things. I just, my family was my number one thing. And you know, my parents were my number one and nothing was worth anything without them. Um, and the fact that they got to see everything and experience everything, I feel super blessed. And um, now it's just about me having my inner peace and my happiness and whatever that is. In fact, when I went into surgery, I had written my dad a letter and, you know, part of my kind of hustle came from wanting to make him super proud of me. And I said, dad, if I come out the other side, I'm going to live a very different life. And you might not have things to brag about to your friends. You might not have things to say, oh, Maria's doing this now. Or Maria's doing that. I said, I'm just going to do what makes me happy. And that might not be things that make me famous or more famous or more successful. Um, and I might have way less than I do now. And that's going to be okay with me. And I hope it's okay with you. Um, or it's going to have to be okay with you. And, you know, he never asked me about career stuff after that. He just asked me how I'm feeling and how I'm doing, which is a big deal because he was a proud Greek man. And anytime I would like be leaving a contract to go to another place and I had to like wait that period, you know, when like you're under contract and oh, they, yes. they still own you and you're yes. moving on. And then it looks like maybe you're not, you're fired or you don't have a job. My dad would be so panicked. I'm like, dad you know, the truth. I have another job I'm going to. It's fine. Yeah. But many other people, they don't know. And he would get so stressed. All of that's gone now because I think two brain tumors later, he sees what's really important. And that's what these things do. They put things in perspective really fast. I remember waking up after surgery and like, you know, days in, I was like, Kevin, oh my God. I used to think being a workaholic was like a badge of honor. I can't think of anything more disgusting. Do what you love. And if you love it, it's not work. That's great. But a lot of us get caught up in the, you know, in the, the rat race of it all and the more of it all. And sometimes you don't even have time to realize you don't really love certain things anymore. 
I love this so much. I love all of this so much. Less is, in fact, more. And then none of these things that we think are so important matter at all without your mm-hmm. health. And your health is affected by pursuing these things that don't matter that much anymore. Mm-hmm. But it takes you time to figure these things out. I love this so much. So then your purpose changes and your mission changes. Mm-hmm. Last thing, then, for those who do not know... Can you tell us about After Buzz TV? What exactly is this, and why was this so important for you to create it? Uh, After Buzz TV is the largest digital after show uh, platform on online. So we produce after shows for almost every TV show. It was important for me and Kevin to start this. First of all, we're diehard TV fans, and we love talking about our favorite shows. Um, but second, I used to have a lot of young hosts come up to me on the red carpets and they wanted help. They're like, how do I get to do what you do? And, and I can't because I don't have an agent. And if I don't have an agent, I can't get a job. And it's like the chicken and the egg. And so we quickly realized that this could become a place where we helped young talent reach their goals and have some on-camera experience that then they can take and go get an agent and they can already start collecting and amassing fans. And, um, and we started kind of making it um, a place where anyone with a dream could come. And Kevin is like the dream maker. He's discovered more people than um, anybody I know. And he would help, you know, build career plans for them on the side and kind of, you know, became like, the surrogate dad to anybody in LA who had a dream. And so our, our mission was two part. It's, it's make good content um, and, uh, and help aspiring hosts um, on their journey. And so we're really proud of what we've done there. And, and then um, I've been, you know, hosting my show better together with Maria Menounos since COVID started every day before that I was just once a week. And, as I told you, it's just my journey every day to get better in all areas of life and to do it with an audience that's on the same page with me that wants to get better and wants to learn and grow and um, and and kind of have, we call it, we, we have a heel squad. So everybody who listens, they're a part of the heel squad. And we're all on that journey to heal ourselves and, and redefine success and um, and all of that. So really quickly, it's it's funny to me, Maria, that the world changes so dynamically and so quickly, but not everybody understands content or where to find content. It would seem self-evident and self-obvious, but it's not to everybody. So I if know. somebody wants to be a part of the Heal Squad or listen and watch the show every single day, where do they find it? YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And the easiest thing is if you come to Instagram, follow me at Maria Menounos, M-E-N-O-U-N-O-S. You can just click the link tree in my Instagram bio. And you can go to anything there. Um, But yeah, Better Together with Maria um, is on Instagram as well. And then find it on YouTube and Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find the show. Great. I mean this so sincerely. I appreciate you so much and admire you so much. And it's so look forward to having this conversation. I can only imagine how many people this has helped. Maria, I know what your days are like. I, I think I have a sense of what your life is like. Thank you so much for making so much time to have that conversation. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. And I'm so excited that you're doing this. You're going to, you're going to just keep seeing how many nuggets impact your life from your guests. And that's what I feel like every day, whether it's an Ed Milet who um, has impacted me in more ways than one or whoever you have on your show. 
um, the journey is incredible when you do it with people. So we are better together, Jim. Thank you for having me. I love and admire and respect you and um, anything I can ever do to help you. I'm always here. Per usual, nobody likes I told you so, but I did tell you so. Maria Menounos is a force of nature. So many takeaways from that beautiful conversation, but here are a few of the ones that stick out to me the most. First, I am always struck by folks who are struck down by terrible tragedies or unbelievable challenges and pain, yet insist it's the best thing that could have ever happened to them, and they wouldn't change anything even if they could. In this case, Maria being diagnosed with a brain tumor requiring brain surgery. Like, not only did she say that that was the best thing that ever happened to her, but she thanks God for it every single day because without it, she would have never, ever realized what was truly important in her life, never realized what makes her truly happy in life, never realized her true purpose and mission. In other words, she only achieved that sort of focus and clarity after that diagnosis. Maria herself admits that even after her mother was diagnosed with cancer, as devastating as that was to her, she still did not fully get it. It wasn't until she herself required brain surgery that she was forced to reevaluate, reconfigure, and in this case, reinvent herself and her life. And I know this part of this may seem counterintuitive to a lot of what we discuss on the pod, but Maria also says once she did reconfigure her life and her mindset, which I'll get to in a moment, Her life improved dramatically. In fact, she says she's never been happier than she is right now. And that only happened after she stopped chasing things that didn't really matter. Stopped being anxious about things that did not really matter. Stopped caring about things that didn't matter. That as fiercely driven as she was, it was no longer about getting the next big show or opportunity or buying something shiny that she could break out at the next big premiere. It was about her health her family, her friends, her relationships, and most of all, lifting up everybody around her. Yes, in this case, in fact, in most cases, less really is more. And sometimes when you win, you actually lose because of the cost involved. And finally, I end yet another episode by mentioning the importance of mindset. Again, to me, the quality of your life is directly related to the quality of your mindset. Garbage, negative mindset, garbage, negative life, positive elite mindset, positive elite life. I share the story about my father being diagnosed with leukemia at age 50. That blows my mind because he was several years younger than I am right now when he was diagnosed. Just as it blows my mind that he didn't tell anybody because he didn't want anybody to feel sorry for him or treat him any differently. And most of all, he didn't tell anybody, as I mentioned, because he was content. He was not caught up chasing things that didn't matter. He didn't create unnecessary stress in his life. He was literally given a death sentence and essentially said, that's good. I'm fine because I've already won. I've already lived a much better life in my 50 years than I ever expected to. So it's gravy from here on out. Now, maybe I'm wrong, but in my opinion, that positive mindset, that mindset of gratitude and positive emotion did as much to keep him alive as any doctor or medicine did back at that time. I really do believe that. Medicine being what it was back then, he had no business staying alive another nine years after that diagnosis, but his mindset kept him in it. He used to say to me, 
I don't really know where you got your drive from. I just know you didn't get it from me. And all I can think is, I wish I had what he had inside of him that enabled him to take on the horror that is cancer without fear, without ever blinking, or without ever once asking, why me? To this day, it remains one of the most impactful and courageous things I've ever seen in my life. And I can't tell you how many times over the last couple of decades, I wish I could have told him so. As always, thank you so much for finding this episode and taking the time to listen to it. If you like what you heard, please do share it, pass it along, and review and subscribe as well if you can do that too because that always helps out. Have yourself an amazing week, and I will see you right back here next time on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.